0: It's time to wake up to Tequila Sunrise. I am Greg White, your Supply Chain Tech Advisor, with more insights into what you need to know to succeed in supply chain tech startup, growth, investment, and transformation. So let's tip a glass to another enlightening Tequila Sunrise.
1: it's interesting that you said you're migrating to data because I don't know if this was your original business model, but it's part of your business model, TMS, transportation management system, right? Yep. But man, that space is so crowded. You know, I work in investments, so I can't tell you how many times a week, maybe two times a week, somebody has a new transportation management okay. system, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, Shannon, and this is my ignorance, not a transportation specialist by confession. Okay. Um, But I felt like that space was pretty full five or 10 years ago. Why is there such a proliferation of these solutions? And, um, and knowing that, I mean, knowing that so many of them are visibility more than prescriptive based, what do you think happens there? Uh, I'm asking you, you know, (laughs) An opinion question, but I'm really interested in that because it is—it's just one after the other, and I just don't see the room in the spe- in the space. And if you're just starting out as a TMS and you don't have these other areas of of solution like you all do, I don't know how you survive. What's your thought? Yeah, and and you know this is what I've learned
2: throughout my whole career. Uh, you know, I've been in this industry since the early '90s. So
1: I'm pretty go. good, Shannon.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know, I'm actually, everybody thinks I'm- um, You were seven, shocked. you yeah, were seven that, when you started, right? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty young. But, but uh, when, but even back then, I thought, you know, as you get through the mid nineties, late nineties, I thought there was already too many in there. But what I learned, what I've learned and, and uh, gathered throughout the years is that each one kind of specializes in a certain area. So you don't have many that can do everything. And that's why I think you see a lot of them. And they try to either go to a vertical or they go to a specific type of shipment that they're going to do. There's not a lot that do them all. And most of them, I think, are really based on execution. I don't think they're really based on visibility. So if you start whittling that list down, it gets smaller and smaller as you start adding pieces to it. And then when you get to the, you know, we'll use the new term, the integrated platform piece, there's very few, if maybe only a couple, Mm -hmm. maybe one. Um, so that's what I've seen out there. And the reason why I think you've seen a proliferation of them is, you know, it's the old pyramid, the bottom of the pyramid, where you have all the small customers. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I think this was back in the late late 90s early 2000s I had heard a statistic around UPS WorldShip so you know UPS WorldShip that's their free system that they give out I had heard that you know 20 years ago there was half a million over half a million of those installed in the United States wow So you think about that stat and you're like oh my lord and it's like there's a big market there it's like well there
1: <laughs> big is big market if it's free
2: yeah or if it's 50 bucks right that's where again you got to kind of weed through all that to understand what are you really looking at uh what is this really made for Mm -hmm. and you know that's where i i think you know it's a lot of marketing that i think has thrown this off but and you know everybody reads that transportation's big oh my god parcel volume is huge and you know, final mile is huge, you know, I got, I'm going to create the best final mile system. And it's like, well, again, what's your definition of final mile? Some people define that as same day delivery. Some call it the final leg to the customer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, so what is it? Yeah. That's why I think you've seen a lot of it. It's just fragmented pieces of the market. None of them are really that big, um, but they do some great marketing. And they have some good VC money behind them because you know they were able to tell someone, look at how big this market is. And yeah. then they just get acquired or acquire somebody.
1: You guys aren't VC funded, right? You're Shannon right. and now team we're, funded. We're privately held. Um, you know, when I started the company in, in
2: 02, started it with my own I, you know, the way that I got money is I went and I sold a deal. <laughs> That's how I funded it. The old fashioned way, right? Yeah, uh, right. Like the old commercial. I earned it. No, I right. did a lot of hard work. <laughs> right. That's right. But yeah, we have no, I mean, I think we're kind of unique in that way. We have no VC money. We have no debt. Um, you know, and I think part of that is because I, you know, when I started the company in '02, I wanted to move from the implementation side to the sales side. So I had the skill to do it. So I wrote the first version of everything. And I went and sold it. Because I realized that I knew a lot of people from doing the implementation. Yep. So I just, you know, called up, you know, the, uh, the old customers and went back in and you know, did my thing. And, you know, replaced the system I had installed
1: before with my system now. Something so, more robust, right? Or modern, yeah. both probably. Yeah. So. yeah that's it's interesting it is interesting the parallels um, of you and I because I did a similar type of thing um, and and you don't see that very often I think a lot of companies are this is totally off topic but what the heck it's just you and me yeah. and, and the rest of the world um, but I think a lot of companies are chasing investment <clears throat> instead of chasing deals and chasing instead of chasing or even even. chasing solutions. Yeah.
2: So think about if you're a customer and you're working with a VC funded company, your goals aren't going to align. I don't think because if you're VC funded, or if you're outside investment funded, it's all about driving revenue. Yeah, I need to get you the customer to pay me money for stuff so i'm going to keep coming to you with stuff that you have to keep paying money for and that's where i think being privately held we can really align our goals uh very differently because i don't have any outside pressure uh to do you know some magic number Mm -hmm. at the end of the day uh and i think that's a big that's why our business model is very different than everybody else in the industry i think and it's because we can we can do it different
1: so i I And I love your compulsion to solve the problem. You know, Another thing I talk about a lot with founders is a lot of people talk about this is my passion or this is my love or whatever. That is not sufficient, right? It is not sufficient to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to be compelled and you have to be compelled not to do the thing, but as you said, the solutions, you have to be compelled to solve the thing, solve the problem or problems that you see, the problems that come up after you've solved the problems you initially yeah. you know, approached, you have to have that compulsion. And that is what makes, regardless of funding, that is what makes a successful uh, technology enterprise. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of obsessive.
2: It's kind of a, it's bad. Um, you know, if somebody gives me a problem, I, I, can't, I can't help it. I have to, I mean, I, I almost, I can't sit still. Yep. not stop thinking about it. We got to get it solved. And and that's why I've told, you know, even people that work here at rate I'm like, Hey, if you, if you're telling me something, make sure you've solved it. And then you're going to give me the answer. Or if you need my help to solve it, you better tell me that. Cause if yeah. you just tell me something, <clears throat> I'm immediately going to go into solution mode. I can't help it. I just, yeah. and I have to keep going until I get the answer, or I, I know what it means. I mean, that's kind of how we are here. And that's how a lot of us are, are built. And I think that's, what's allowed us to deliver the solution and create the solution that we have, you know, and it's from listening to the customer. Uh, You know, we were on the phone the other day with a, a current customer and they're like, how come, how come the way you guys did it is so perfect for us. And I'm like, well, because when we implemented it, we asked you you know how do you do stuff right and we kind of came up with the solution that fit you the best and we knew it fit you the best because you told us back then that this is the best way for you to do it and they were just like all perplexed and confused by that and they're like oh my god that just who would do
1: that i'm like well that's what we do and they're like it's so simple like Yeah. yeah it is it is simple and yet rare um, and, I mean, you, you do a lot of things that are rare. Your implementation methodology is rare. <clears throat> your solution focus, as you just talked about, is really rare. Um, your focus on results for your customers is, is rare. Not that everybody isn't hopeful of that, but you seem to me in so many cases so much more driven toward it. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So with the data solutions and TMS and everything that you all do, give us an idea of how that changes one of your customers' businesses. I mean, what results do they see from plugging this in? Um, usually what they
2: see, so one, we're, we're not very disruptive when we implement. So we typically will fit into their current processes that they have today. We, we don't replace that much. I mean, we'll only replace the system if it needs to be replaced, Hmm. meaning it's out of date, just completely lacks some functionality that they have. Otherwise, we're going to come in and augment. That's a unique thing for us. And when we come in, I don't know, you know, some customers have saved, you know, the highest number I've ever seen is $800,000 a week is what one customer saved. 800,000 yeah. a week? Yeah, I'll never run into that again in my career, I don't think. Where um, did that come from? Well, it just, you
1: know, came from the data. <laughs> and I mean, what so what what did they fix that gave you <clears throat> that kind of result?
2: Well, what I, mean, I found they is they that, that what a lot of,
1: spend or did they Oh yeah, it's
2: on the freight spend. 800 grand a week. Pure pure and simple on freight spend. Because what you find is that what a lot of companies do is they have to have this balance between people and cost, you know, Mm -hmm. freight. And so they'll build tolerances in or not be as perfect um, because they just don't have the people, again, to click the buttons because there's too many Mm -hmm. buttons they got to click. So they're like, well, you know, you think about like inbound, if you're managing inbound freight they will have one carrier on a lane and a lane is a whole state, you know? So from Ohio to Illinois, it's this one carrier, even yep. though that one carrier isn't the most optimal carrier, but I don't have, how else would I do it? I don't have right. the people. I don't have the staff, don't have the data voices, <laughs> you know, eh, as long as it's within five bucks, you know, cause if it's, it costs me more than $5 to track this thing down and to figure out, if it's right or wrong, well, you know, those dollars add up very quickly uh, when you're doing high volume. And then you look at the market that we're in today, a lot of companies are doing even higher volume. So, you know, that's where we can come in and save, you know, companies millions of dollars without really making much change. And that's kind of how we first justify our solution that's before we even give them any prescriptive insights or give them any business knowledge around changes to make it's just tightening everything up what we find is a lot of companies have done a lot of great work and have put in a lot of great things what they have a hard time with is the precision and being able to maximize their return on their own assets i mean really Everything they've done is their own asset. This is just a pure ROA model that we come in with right out of the gate. And that's why our time to value is so short. We implement quickly and we give them instant results. And we do that by eliminating exceptions that they had and allowing them to maximize the value of what they've already done. Hmm. And from there, now you start getting the continuous improvement. I mean, that's really what the data is. Once you get to be data driven. You know, you're going to have greater transparency to what's going on, which is going to lead to continuous improvement, which is ultimately going to give you a competitive advantage. You know, I was I was reading some article out there talking about being data-driven and, and it says most data-driven companies on average can increase their profit margin, their gross profit increases by 12.5%. So that's, I would say that's probably wow. what we see a lot of. And the reason why their profit increases is because we're able to cut cost out of there. And, you know, you cut a dollar of cost out of a company. That's a lot from a profit perspective. That's not a dollar of profit. It's a,
1: that's a big percentage. swing. And that's what we're able to do. So 12 and a half percent gross margin. That's impressive. Yeah. I was, I was like, wow, that is a. You must sleep very well at night knowing that you're doing that kind of service for your (laughs) For your customers, right? Oh, there's nothing more gratifying. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. That I mean that it's funny. Um, ages ago I worked for a company that didn't negotiate on pricing for software, which is absolutely unheard <coughs> of. Right. And uh, our founder said, we make a lot. He would say this in discussions with customer or prospect. We make a lot on our software, but we don't make nearly as much on our software as you do. Huh. And that, I mean, that really justifies, you know, that he felt like, and he was right, justified the value of the technology. So and that's a good
2: point. We're typically at a 10 to one uh, ratio, $10 of savings for every dollar that they pay us. That's so really they good. We typically save about $10 for every dollar they pay us. More companies should have that goal. Yeah, we usually get into the, you know, five to one is like the minimum that we usually see and we usually get that built up to a 10 to one. Some companies have gotten to 20 to one, 30 to one. And again, the model that we have is purely based on what we're doing. There's no gain shares, no nonsense mm-hmm. like that. We feel that if, if working with the customer, we can come up with a great idea. Why not come up with a great idea that saves them even more money? I mean, that's, you know, and that's part of that collaboration. Um, you know, if it's a gain share, I don't know if everybody's going to collaborate quite the same, because then you get into that argument of, hey, that was kind of my Did we idea. do it or
1: did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, right. that's why
2: we got, we never got into that model.
1: That doesn't it's a great closing technique, but almost no, no <clears throat> customer is silly enough to sign up for it, at least for a very long time. That's what you need. Exactly. They turn a lot. Yeah. Do a lot of customer turn in that model. So, all right, so l- l- as we start to wrap up here, I want to shift gears a little bit. <clears throat> so you've been doing this a while. You confess to the early 90s. I'll do the same. <laughs> um, so uh, what, do you, what, when you think back on it, do you know now that you wish you had known sooner? Well,
2: I, I think I knew a lot back then, but what was missing was understanding. Hmm. I didn't understand. Um, you know, think back to when you were in your 20s. You always hear the term youth is wasted on the young. You knew that. Right. But did you understand what that meant? Right. Like now I do. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, the only thing I wish I knew or understood back then was probably myself. Think of all the time you waste fighting yourself. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. And it's like, that's the one thing where I wish if I could go back, that I understood myself better because what did I you tell you of, if you went back. Yeah. It's like, you know, Hey, be okay with this stuff. Be okay with, you know, it's like, you know, as a young person, you you don't quite put it all together. Right. Cause I still think that, you know, all the things I've been through over the years, part of the fun is the journey It would. Why would you want to take, think of some of those high moments you had because you, you know, you accomplished something that you didn't think you could do before or you've never done before. Why would you want to take that away? Mm -hmm. Because that's essentially what you're doing by going back in time and saying, hey, by the way, don't do these things because you're going to run into challenges. But it's like that's part of the learning is getting over that hump. And getting that confidence that you can do it again and again. And that's why I wish I understood what drives me. So that way I could have just focused on that sooner and been okay with it. You know, I mean, yeah. I was having a discussion with my son, my other son who's here. uh, You know, he's got an internship. He's going to go into his senior year at ASU. And I asked him the other day, I'm like, so when you get a job, what are you looking for? in a job? Are you looking for nice, safe, secure job? Are you looking for, you know, do you like title? Do you like your title? Is it pay? He doesn't know. Imagine if he knew that. He'll yeah. know
1: that eventually, but it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's actual intelligence. Not, it's the other AI. I don't right. want visibility. You You're right.
2: Like, right. Don't give me, I had visibility to a lot of stuff. I didn't understand it when I was young. That's the yeah. beauty of
1: youth. Sometimes. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Um, all right. So, at, so, you know, I always ask this. I think Corey warned you that this was coming. <clears throat> yeah. So, from what we've discussed today, what are two or three things you think folks absolutely have to take away from this discussion? I would say um you know we've
2: talked about visibility we talk about data we talk about knowledge and all that stuff really it boils down to three things i think if you want to be data driven which is ultimately what we're talking about you know if you're data driven you get greater transparency competitive advantage all that great stuff in order to do it you have to do three things you got to collect data which i think a lot of companies are doing and then here's the two things that is probably the knowledge is you have to collect the right data, and then you have to use it to make decisions. Don't use it to justify decisions. If you're using mm-hmm. it to justify, you're not, you're you're already not collecting the right data. That's, yeah. that's your indicator. So I would say that's the takeaway is collect the right data and then use it for decision making. You do that, man, you're going to get a competitive advantage.
1: 12.5% gross profit increase. On average,
2: for companies who do
1: that, I would sign up for that any day. I mean that you know that is that is a as you said that's a dramatic impact to the bottom line. That is that is a change to your business breakthrough. Frankly, it's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's fantastic. Um, it, it is interesting in this data driven world that we're happy to, as someone once said, don't be happy to sit back and admire the problem. right? (laughs) And and that's what so many people do with data these days. You've got to convert it into action. Data into action is absolutely critical. What use is the report if it doesn't allow you to improve your business? And I I think when companies do that, if they focus on those things that allow them to improve their business, they'll not only find that it's more impactful, but it's less, it, it's less data to call through because there's only a certain amount of data that can al- allow you to yeah. really change your business, really make decisions that uh, change the direction that are actionable insights. Yes. Yep, and uh, practical that can actually be done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's good. I, and you're right. You know if there's anything i want I want people to take away from this, it's it's that that power twelve and a half percent increase in gross margin or whatever it is, it's in that data. and that data provides it provides assurance and repetition and knowledge that allows you to continue to improve or better yet sustain. So many companies can say what went wrong in retrospect. What they can't say is, why did good happen? What went right? And why did that happen? And how do we repeat that? And being data-driven is the key to being able to do that. Absolutely. So, well, thank you, Shannon. It's always great to spend time with you. And uh, I appreciate you doing this again. <laughs> I mean, I may or may not let people in on what that means. but My pleasure. Yeah, of course. Uh, big thanks to Shannon, CEO of RateLinks, for sharing this time with us. Uh, oh, hey, how can folks connect with you? Well, you can
2: always go to the website, www.ratelinks.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn uh, anytime. Uh, Those are probably the two best ways to
1: to get a hold of me. Rate links with an X and we'll have the the URL on the show notes as well. So thank you again. And thanks to everybody for joining me and Shannon. Uh, It's fun for us. I hope it's fun for you. And remember, acknowledge reality. But never be bound by it.
0: How can I help you improve your shot at supply chain tech success? Four ways. One, subscribe to Tequila Sunrise wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you're notified of my new episode every week. Two, follow me on LinkedIn and see my supply chain summaries every weekday. Three, if you're a startup founder or growth stage leader and you need an active advisor to propel you through your supply chain tech journey, I'm currently considering select strategic advisory roles or four, if you need an incubator or investment for your supply chain tech, reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's talk.